It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense. All in more or less plain English. Podcast number 782 for the 4th of March, 2022. This week, sometimes there's a post or an IM conversation on Facebook that you'd like to save on your own computer. It's not always easy, but it is always possible. Let's see how. In short circuits, the DuckDuckGo search engine doesn't collect or sell user information. Maybe you already use it instead of Google. But there's more from the Duck, including an extension that can be installed in any browser to warn about privacy issues. Using multi-factor authentication is supposed to ensure that crooks can't steal your credentials because logging in requires a username, a password, and a code that's delivered separately. Crooks have noticed, and they're developing ways to defeat the technology. And 20 years ago, new media had encountered some bumpy roads, e-zines were failing, and e-books weren't as popular as many thought they should be. That has changed in the past two decades. Much of what we read and post on Facebook has no intrinsic long-term value. Sometimes, though, there might be a conversation or a post thread that you'd like to keep. Let's see what can be done. My older daughter suffered acute, unexpected, life-threatening liver failure in May of 2017. She was in a coma for most of a week and received a liver transplant. The transplant process usually spans several months, but there was no time for normal procedures. We were at Ohio State University most of the time in meetings with emergency department physicians, transplant center physicians, and others. There was no time to contact family and friends in the usual way, so we turned to Facebook. The transplant was successful, and I knew that Elizabeth would want to know what happened during the week she was unconscious. She was in a coma from shortly after arriving at University Hospital until the day after her surgery, so I wanted to keep a copy of the messages that we posted and the responses. Now, nearly five years later, being able to look back at those days is comforting. Saving the occasional instant message conversation might also be desirable. As helpful as electronic messaging is, a lot of good information is lost. Letters sent from authors to editors, between politicians, or even from one family member to another in an earlier era offer important insights. But who sends letters today? At best, we have short IM chats. Here's an example. Dave sent a link to me, 3D printing your pet. I responded, Cat is already available in 3D, limited editions available in 4D. Dave said, a 4D cat is frightening, intra-catastrophe waiting for a portal to open to a parallel felinity. Ouch. I actually prefer the fifth dimension, especially their version of Age of Aquarius. Can you say orthogonality? Mr. Rogers never asked that. Nor did he. I responded, I'm pretty sure that Chloe alternates between parallel existences. And Dave responded, I knew a guy who was a gymnast. Specialty was the parallel bars. They were directly across the street from each other. To which I responded, he needs a parallel cat. Okay, I can't think of a good reason to save that chat. In fact, I can think of several reasons for deleting it and denying that it ever existed. But 
some conversations might be worth retaining. You can always go back to Facebook and scroll through existing chats and posts, but there are better options when you've been involved in a conversation or a post discussion that is so meaningful that you want to keep a copy. This is generally less important for posts than it is for instant message threads. Although I have a PDF file that includes all of the posts and responses around Elizabeth's time in the hospital, it would be easy enough to find the original post and then expand the comments. Sharing the post with others, though, and particularly with those not on Facebook, is difficult. So if you have a topic that has significant historic or personal value, creating a PDF is a good start, even if it won't be exactly perfect. You start by opening the post and expanding all of the comments. Then choose the print option and specify save as PDF as the destination. The process will depend in part on which browser you're using and what PDF printing options were installed. Modern operating systems all have a PDF option, but you might have to look for it. Choosing portrait instead of landscape usually works better for Facebook pages. Once you've done all that, print the pages, and if you have Adobe Acrobat or some other application that allows PDF editing, you can remove unwanted pages from near the end of the file. Then you have a PDF document you can share. But I mentioned the process isn't perfect. Unfortunately, the print-to-PDF process will drop some text that is in the top and bottom margin areas. This is usually just one or two lines of text, but it's important to know in advance that this will happen. In the example you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website, one person's comment says, Other than that, I'm set with food and drink, and there will definitely be baking. That's clearly visible on Facebook. However, the PDF version truncates the text following other than. In most cases, you can figure out what the rest of the message said, and it's not really important. But check your work to be sure. And then there are instant message conversations. Not every conversation should be saved. It might be better to say few conversations should be saved. In most cases, my conversations consist of a comment followed by a few additional bits of text. But occasionally there is a serious conversation with information that I might want later, or a series of increasingly bad puns. There's no method provided by Facebook for users to save individual messages, though. You can save all your data, but that's likely to be a gigantic file, and finding what you're looking for in the downloaded file would be just as difficult as finding it online. If you do decide you want to download everything, start by clicking the menu icon in the upper right corner of your Facebook window. Then choose Settings and Privacy, and finally Settings. You'll see Your Facebook Information near the top of the left column. Click that. When your Facebook information opens, click View on the line labeled Download Your Information. This will open a panel that will allow you to specify which kinds of data you want to download and to choose the format, media quality, and date range. At the bottom of the page, and this is a long page, scroll down and down and down, click the button labeled Request a Download. The download won't be ready right away. Facebook says the request will be shown as pending in the Available Copies section, and it may take several days for the process to be complete. I tried this, and it took just one day. The process is similar to that used for Amazon and Google that we looked at earlier. Amazon on the 11th of February, Google on the 18th of February. 
I received two zip files from Facebook. The zip files were big, a total of 8 gigabytes. They extracted to 20,684 files in 876 folders. If you receive multiple zip files, extract them all into the same folder. Unlike Amazon and Google, Facebook provides a framework for easily viewing your data. There's an index.html file in the directory. Double-clicking it opens a well-organized directory. Even so, there is no search function, but if you remember who you had a conversation with, you can select that person's name and then use the browser's find function to look for the word. The posts are in reverse order, though. Most recent comments are first. Having the full download could be useful, and I found mine to be pretty interesting. But Facebook offers an online option for viewing your information. It's the link at the top of the Your Facebook Information page. That might be a better choice if you want to just view the information, not save it locally. But if you do want to save a specific conversation locally, performing a screen scrape could be the easiest choice because you can paste the data into a word processor or text editor, and what you paste will be in the order you expect it, not reverse order. The problem with using a word processor is that a small amount of information consumes a lot of space. A short discussion with a friend consumed two pages with a lot of useless formatting. Copying and pasting the conversation into a plain text editor such as UltraEdit, Notepad++, or even Notepad drops all of the graphics and other less useful information, but it also eliminates all links to external sites. If that information is important to you, then a word processor is a better choice. There's not really a good way to extract this information, but there are at least less bad methods. Sometimes finding that is the best solution. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, you may be familiar with the DuckDuckGo search engine. It doesn't collect or sell user information, so maybe you already use it instead of Google. But there's more from the Duck. Privacy Essentials is a browser extension available for all major browsers and both Android and iOS mobile devices. It adds a small icon at the top of the page so that users can see at a glance how well the site treats your privacy. Each site gets a letter grade from A to F, and the extension blocks questionable activities with additional privacy protection. And this can all be enabled or disabled per site. Privacy protection is enabled by default, but it can be disabled because blocking data collection might cause some sites to fail. This is rare, and I leave the protections enabled for all sites. Most of the trackers installed on websites won't be able to track you now. 
The number of trackers will vary as site developers add and remove them. On one day in mid-February, Security Essentials found 10 trackers on the Washington Post website and blocked eight of them. So at its most basic, the browser extension is an ad blocker that prevents sites from showing you banners, pop-ups, and other ads. Some sites do need to be able to show pop-ups for legitimate functions, and if Privacy Essentials blocks these, you can whitelist the site. The TechBiter Worldwide website, for example, uses pop-up technology to display larger copies of thumbnail images, but the browser extension is smart enough to know that these are not security issues. There's no need to whitelist the TechBiter Worldwide website. The Privacy Essentials extension is available for Firefox, Chrome, Safari, iOS, and Android officially. But if you use Opera, Vivaldi, Microsoft Edge, Brave, or any of the other browsers based on Chrome, the Chrome extension will work. When visiting a website, users can click the Privacy Essentials icon for information about the site. The New York Times website is rated B+, which has been enhanced from C. Enhanced? Yeah, disabling privacy protection on the site will drop its grade to C. The site does use an encrypted connection, which all sites should do. And sites with unencrypted connections are automatically downgraded. Three trackers have been blocked, and clicking the disclosure triangle on the trackers line shows which trackers have been blocked. Two from Google in this case, one from Amazon. Most sites will display unknown privacy practices, but a few will display information about their privacy policies. DuckDuckGo depends on terms of service didn't read. That's a service with a website. It collects privacy data from websites, and it's worth visiting the site and searching for sites that you visit. You'll find a link to Terms of Service Didn't Read on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Websites often embed YouTube or Facebook videos. These are blocked by default. The extension will display a message that describes the block and offers a large blue button users can click to unblock the video. Doing so will allow the content provider to know about your activity and also to collect information that includes your IP address. The DuckDuckGo search engine is a useful alternative to Google, and it's what I use most of the time, switching to Google only when I want a second opinion. The Privacy Essentials extension is a valuable addition to any browser. It can be downloaded using your browser's extensions page. For more information, visit DuckDuckGo's app page, which will attempt to detect the browser you're using and offer an installation link for it. There is, of course, a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. Using multi-factor authentication is supposed to ensure that crooks can't steal your credentials. That's because logging in requires a username, a password, and a code that's delivered separately. Well, crooks have noticed, and they're deploying ways to defeat the technology. It's a lot like whack-a-mole, and it's reminiscent of the back-and-forth between police radar manufacturers and radar detector manufacturers. Multi-factor authentication requires that a user provide a security token provided via a smartphone or an authenticator application. The code is not delivered in an online session, but through a separate connection, and possibly even a separate device. 
This used to be called out-of-band authentication, meaning that separate means of authentication would be provided using a method that's not visible to the connection being validated. But what if somebody manages to find a way to read all of the data from the person who's trying to log into a remote server? That person wouldn't need to see the out-of-band authenticator because the user would need to provide it to log in. The name for this is man in the middle, and it's not new. Users think they're connected to their intended service, but actually they're connected to the crook who is connected to the user's intended service. The crook can see the victim's username, password, and the time-limited token. Security firm Proofprint says phishing kits can be purchased for less than a cup of coffee. You can read the full article by Proofprint on the company's website. You'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. These new tools for criminals don't require that crooks create a duplicate of the target website. Instead, they use a transparent reverse proxy to present the actual website to the victim. The victim sees the legitimate website, but the crook sees it too. And then the crook can capture even the session cookie. Wikipedia has an article that explains how reverse proxies work if you want to check that out, and you'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Although crooks can't obtain external validation codes directly, they can follow a user into a site and thereby create a lot of trouble. You don't need a validation code for 20 years ago on the TechBiter Worldwide website, so stop by and this week we'll review some roadblocks that new media were encountering in 2002. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session. <music>